Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we worship your holy name. You alone are worthy. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. And Lord, we give that to you today. Lord, we thank you for today, for this place, for this body of Christ that we can come together and worship you and study your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak into our hearts and our minds. Speak into the purpose that we have for you, for your glory, for your namesake. So Lord, speak to us and do a mighty work, that life-changing work that is found in the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Bring that life change this morning. We thank you again and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our amazing Lord and our loving Savior. Amen. About 18 years ago, I broke my face. So it was a ski trip that I took with a youth group. Um, We were living in Texas at the time and we took a large group of students up to New Mexico uh, to go snowboarding. Um, and skiing. And so we had a three-day trip planned. Uh, We had a great time all three days. If you know anything about me, I love mountain sports. And so this is my realm. This is where I thrive. This is what I love to do. And so we skied and snowboarded for three days. And on the last day, the last run of the last day, We were going to the top. Now, if any of you have ever been on a mountain and you've ever skied or snowboarded or had winter sports like this, you know that the most dangerous time is the last run of the last day because your inhibitions kind of go to the wayside. You kind of try something that maybe you've thought about doing, but you were too uh, scared or suspicious to try it. And so you think, oh, this is my last chance. I'm going to do it this time. So that was what happened on this trip. We were on our way up, and one of my students looked at me and said, you know what, why don't we get to the top, and why don't all the fast ones of us, why don't we get together, and why don't we race down the mountain? And I thought, I'm in my 20s, and I thought, man, that's a great idea. And so... We get to the top and we start selling this idea to all the other students. Hey, let's get, let's all line up and let's, let's ski and snowboard down. Let's race to the halfway point on this big mountain that we're on. And about half of my students said, yes, let's do it. And the other half went, no, 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 thank you. I want no part of this. So we get to the edge and we had all agreed that we would go to the halfway point. Now at the halfway point at this particular run of the mountain, you would go down and the halfway point was where the run wide, it forked, it split in half and there was a huge tree right there where it forked. And so we decided that that tree would be the stopping point and whoever reached it first won, etc. It's a race. So I'm talking smack with my students. I, I, I'm, I'm you know, building myself up and putting them down. And so one of the adults that was with us got to the edge with us and did our countdown. And he said, three, two, one, go. And I took off. And I'll tell you now that I don't think I've ever snowboarded as fast as I snowboarded on this particular run. I was going so fast that the cold wind hitting my cheeks was starting to sting a little bit. 
And so I'm going down this mountain and I'm looking over and I realize that I'm actually beating almost all of my students. I can only see one of my students, a, a kid named Nick who had been skiing all his life. He was a senior in high school, was a major athlete in our school. And, and so I'm thinking, man, if I'm beating everybody but Nick, I'm doing pretty good. And so I turn the corner and I see the tree. And I thought, yes, I'm beating everybody, but Nick, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to get second place. This is awesome. And then I thought, wait, I'm beating everybody, but Nick, that means that there's like a dozen students behind me somewhere. What if I stop and one of those students is right behind me and they hit me? And so I come around the corner, see the tree, have this thought, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to look back real quick, see where everybody's at so I can make sure that no one runs into me. And then I'll, I'll begin stopping. And so I come around the corner, see the tree, I see the finish, and I look behind me. And first off, let me say that we were 20 car lengths in front of everybody. I mean, we were blowing them away. And I turn back around, and there's Nick right in front of me. He had cut across the front of, his, of the run to slow himself down. And by the time I had turned around, we were going so fast that I had no time to stop. Long story short, I hit Nick. Nick flew this direction, I flew that direction. His skis went that direction. And we were hurt. Uh, I'll say, I have had three concussions in my life. This was a bad one. I was out for at least 30 seconds, completely out cold, laying on the ground, uh, we got everybody, everybody caught up to us and kind of helped us get back up and, and made sure we were okay. Um, I hit Nick so hard that I broke his ski boot. If you've ever seen a ski boot, they're like one inch thick plastic and I snapped it in half. I hit him so hard. So fast forward, we get down to the bottom of the mountain, we get in the cars, we drive back to our lodge and we have dinner and I'm just thinking, oh, I just don't feel good. I'm not going to eat. I just don't, I'm not up for it. So I went to bed early, got up the next morning, we drove back to Texas, but on the way we stopped to get lunch and I, I finally got my appetite back, so I got a big cheeseburger. And mind you, I hadn't eaten since lunch the day before, so I was really hungry. And so I bite down on this cheeseburger and the side of my face lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, it hurt and it throbbed and I just couldn't think straight. So fast forward now one more week, I get back to Texas, get everything settled in, and I finally get an appointment, go in and see the doctor. And the doctor says, well, I'm not sure what happened, let's take some x-rays. So he takes some x-rays of my head, and he walks into the appointment after the x-rays, and he says, Chad, I've been practicing medicine for over 30 years, and I've never seen someone break this bone. You've broken your bone from the corner of your eye socket down to your tooth line. He goes, that's one of the thicker bones in your face, and you broke it. Now, that probably explains why I look like the way I do. <laughs> but, but that's all to say I, I spent six weeks on a liquid diet. Uh, I actually lost five pounds. I was much smaller back then. I didn't have a lot to lose, but lost weight liquid diet, but totally healed up. The only way you can tell that there's anything there is if I go to the dentist. And a dentist can tell you that there's been a break right here in my cheek and that my teeth are a little bit out of line. Now, my wife, being a dental hygienist, loves this story. So, 
But let me ask you a question. Why did I get in the accident? What went wrong? What did I do wrong? I took my focus away from the goal. I took my focus away from where I was going, from the direction that I had. I took my focus away from what I should have been focusing on the entire time, right? I focused really well all the way down this mountain until I hit that end point, and I shifted my focus away, even for just a moment, and when I turned back around, because I had turned my focus away from where it should have been, I got in an accident. I hurt myself. Let me ask you this. Where is your focus? What should you be focused on? Well, today we're going to talk about the focus of this church and how it applies to our lives. So we're going to actually talk about our mission statement. Our mission statement here at First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale is simply this. Leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. This is why we as a church exist. This is our focus. This is our purpose. This is the meaning to why we as a body of Christ are here. Why we gather. Why we do ministry. Why we do Bible studies. Why we worship. It's all going back to this. Leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. You see, everything that we do as a church is filtered through this statement. Everything that we believe, every ministry that we have, every activity that we invest in goes back to this statement, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Now let me turn this a minute. What is your mission? Why do you exist as a person, as a follower of Jesus, why do you exist? What's the reason that Jesus has you here? Well, luckily for us, Jesus gives us a reason. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those. Matthew is in the New Testament. Uh, you'll find it in a line with names that sound very American. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's the first of those. If you're in an old school sounding name like Malachi or something along those lines, then you have not gone far enough. Uh, if you're at anything that ends in I-A-N-S, um, you've gone too far and you need to back up. So Matthew, and we're in chapter 28, Matthew 28. So Matthew 28 is the very last chapter of Matthew. In other words, it is the chapter in Matthew after Jesus has died, rose from the grave, and now he is about to ascend into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he gives us what we call, commonly in the church, the Great Commission. So if you ever heard, hear the statement uh, or something described called the Great Commission, it's this passage right here, Matthew 28. Think about it for just a minute. 
Jesus gives us all sorts of instruction and teaching throughout his life, but he saves this statement as the very last thing that he tells us. Now, I don't know about you, but if I want somebody to remember something, if I'm giving my son some kind of instructions and I want him to really focus on one part of those instructions, that's what I leave to last or what I reiterate when I'm telling him what I want him to do. Jesus is intentional about leaving this to the very last. This is important. This is important and vital to who we are as followers of Christ. So read with me. We're going to begin in verse 18. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus. Verse 19, Therefore, so think about this for a second. Jesus is saying, Because all the authority has been given to me, I want you to do this. That's why he says, therefore. So all authority has been given to me. Verse 19, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The Great Commission of Christ. He's giving us instructions on what we're supposed to be doing. He gives us purpose. He gives us meaning to our lives. He gives us a reason to exist and be His followers. And that is, because He has all authority, we're to go and make disciples. And then he's got stuff he says after that. Go have them baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I've taught you. But the point is, is that the first step is to make disciples. That is why the mission statement of this church is to lead all gener every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Because that's what the Great Commission tells us to do. The Great Commission gives us beautiful instruction, which also leads us into our mission as a church. But let me say something. We're called to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus, but how we do that is just as important as what we're supposed to be doing. The what is making disciples, leading people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. But how we lead them to the life-changing hope can be just as important as actually the instruction to lead them. You see, we can never be lazy in our plan, in our intentions to lead people to Jesus. Because if we're lazy about it, it's not going to happen. Leading people to Jesus must be intentional. It must have a plan. It must have structure to it. Because if we don't have a plan, we're not going to follow through. Let's be honest for a minute. The mission statement of this church, leading people to the life-changing hope of Jesus, is not an easy thing to do. For the vast majority of people, this is a very difficult thing to fulfill. According to studies, 
the vast majority of Christians, somewhere above 85% of Christians, struggle with how to share their faith with other people. And so, yes, we want to say leading people, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus is our mission, and that's why we exist. But we also need to say, and this is how we lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We have to have a plan. Let's be honest for a minute. Most every church that you would go and survey would agree that they exist to some extent to lead people to Jesus. Would you say that? Every church you've ever been a part of, would they say, yes, we exist to lead people to Jesus and to to grow people in Jesus? So they would say, yes, we agree with the mission statement of First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale, but if you were to actually look at what they do, and you would go and look at the number of people that they're leading to Jesus and baptizing, you would actually find that they only agree with the statement in word. They don't agree with it in action. Let's be honest. Let's, let's realize and face the hard truth. Every denomination in this nation has been declining in number and declining in the number of baptisms that they perform in a given year. The fact is, is even the Southern Baptist Convention has been in decline. Every single denomination, now I will say this in pride, the Southern Baptist Convention, of all the denominations that have been declining, we are the one denomination that is declining the least. But why is that? What is the reason that people say, yes, we agree with that mission statement, but we're not actually doing it? There's not a plan. There's not a purpose. There's not a how to go and lead people, lead every generation. So, we must be intentional. So, how is First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale intentional? How are we accomplishing and how are we moving forward to accomplish this mission statement? Well, we have four core values that we believe in. And I'm going to briefly go over these four core values. The first one is believe. You see, we think that God's truth is the foundation to knowing, loving, and understanding Jesus. It's our instruction manual. It's what we base our beliefs on. There's a reason why every service we open this book. And the message that we listen to is focused on what this book says. Because we truly believe here at First Southern that this book is the foundation to us understanding, to loving and knowing God. And so that's our first core value. And let's think about this. If you know the history of this church, this church has been founded strongly on knowledge of this book, hasn't it? You go to any of the Bible studies on Sunday morning. You go to Bible studies on Wednesday night. You're going to find that the emphasis, great emphasis, is placed on knowing God through this book. So our first core value, it makes sense for our first core value to be believe. Our second core value is grow. And this is a hard one because growth means change. And following God is moving where He takes us both personally and as a church. Here's the thing. If you have a nine-year-old boy and he is around four feet tall 
and at 12 years old, he's still four feet tall, you know there's a problem, right? None of us in this room would ever look at a nine-year-old boy and then a few years later see him at the exact same height and say he's perfectly healthy. No one would say that. So why in the world would we think that our growth can be stunted and that we can still be healthy? I've heard it said many times by many preachers, and I'll be honest, I agree with this statement, that if you're not growing in Christ, you're actually going backwards with Christ. The idea is is that we will never reach perfection with Jesus. We are all sinners in need of a Savior, and you will never reach perfection until you get to heaven. And so there should always be a level of growth in our life. And so for us, we realize that growth must be part of what we value. Both personally and as a church, we have to be growing. That doesn't necessarily mean numbers. I'm talking about spiritual growth. We have to be growing in our knowledge and our maturity with our Savior. And so in that, we also realize, though, that growth sometimes means that we have to change. Growth means that we have to change how we look maybe or how we operate my son has changed a lot in the nine years that he's been alive he started out at seven pounds and now he's like 55 he's changed a lot my wife still mourns the fact that he doesn't have those squishy baby fat cheeks anymore but let's be honest a nine-year-old with squishy baby fat cheeks is a little weird isn't it We as a church, if we intend to follow Christ, it means that we will have to grow spiritually. We'll have to change spiritually. So, that's our second value. The third value is connect. You see, we understand that hope is proclaimed when we are in relationship with God, with our church family, and with our community. We have to connect. The fact is, is that we were designed by God to be in connection. You cannot be in obedience to God's Word and live as a Christian hermit. We were made by God. We were designed by God at our core to be in connection with other believers. Last week, I talked about us being a body. It's all about connection. It's all about relationship that's founded in connection and commitment. That's what I talked about last week. And that's what I'm talking about in this third value. We are made to connect with other believers. We are made and designed to connect with one another, but also to God and to our community. We do that through worship. We do that through meeting together and doing ministry together, through praying together. And there's so many other ways we do that, but connection is vital for growth and belief. Our last core value is serve. We understand that we are committed to selflessly serving God and others in the church and community and world. You see, God never told us, Jesus never says that we're made to go and just sit in pews on Sunday. And I talk about this often. We are not made 
for this necessarily. If you're here on Sunday and you're religiously here, you're always here, but you're not going and serving and doing something for Christ, you're missing the whole point of this. You were designed, you've been given gifts and talents. And there are multiple parables and teachings from Jesus that tell us if we are squandering those gifts and talents, then we're going to be cast out. You were made, you were given gifts and talents to serve your Savior. And so we understand that if we're not serving, we're not fulfilling the connection and the growth and the belief that we claim to have. But that means not just connection and growth and belief and serving within this church body. It means that we're also supposed to be going out and serving the world around us, the the community around us. That's why we're involved with our schools. That's why we're partnered with Teach One to Lead One. That's why we're involved and connected with Bridge to Hope Ministries. That's why we're connected with so many missionaries and church planters all over this area and the world. Because we know that serving is the way that we fulfill the command that we read today. We can't make disciples of people who don't know Jesus if we're not connected and serving those who don't know Jesus. So we live, we exist by these four core values. We know that we're supposed to live within this kind of context. So let me wrap this up in a package for you and help you understand what I'm go- where I'm going with this. We have this beautiful mission statement, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. But we also have to understand how we accomplish that mission. And the four values that we have explain the how. It explains how we lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. You notice I'm saying that statement a lot? I want you, over the next eight weeks, to be able to know this statement by heart. That when somebody walks up to you and challenges you in faith, or you get the opportunity to invite them to church, or they want to know what this church is about, I want you to be able to make that statement right there. We exist to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And I'm going to unpack this idea. I'm going to unpack the, the four values over the next eight weeks so that we can understand the how we accomplish this mission. Because there are lots of churches out there who grow and they connect and they serve, but they don't have good beliefs. They don't have the Bible as their foundation. Well, God tells us in His Word that the Bible should be there. There are a lot of churches who have great beliefs and their foundation is in God's Word, but they're not serving their community. So they're missing the mark. There are a lot of churches out there that are believing and they're serving, but they're not growing themselves in Christ. There's no actual discipleship taking place. And there are a lot of churches out there that may be out there serving and they have good beliefs and they're growing, but they're not actually connected to one another within the church body. You see, all four of these values are how we accomplish the mission of leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. This is what First Southern stands on. This is where we're going as a church body. This is what we stand on as our purpose 
for existing. Again, over the next eight weeks, we're going to go over these values and this mission statement. So next week, we're going to focus on believe, that first value. And I'm going to explain to you why belief is so valuable to accomplishing the mission of leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We will explain this and help you to understand. So let me close with this question. What is your mission for Jesus? What is it? Some of you in this room, it might not be a bad idea to sit down and ponder, why do I exist? Maybe you want to take our mission statement and you want to tweak it and adapt it to your own personal life. Maybe you want to take those four core values and say, you know what, these values align with what I believe as well and I'm going to adapt them with the mission statement to clearly define what my purpose is. But one way or the other, however you do it, I want us all to understand that we do have a purpose. We do have a mission. We have a focus. And sometimes we need to realize that we've been looking the wrong direction and we need to turn our focus back to the goal, the purpose, the finish line that Jesus has for our lives. So what is your mission? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much. Again, we thank you for this church, for the privilege, for the honor that we have to worship in this place with this body of believers. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us as a church body. And Lord, we pray that in those blessings that we would live the mission that you have for us, both as a church and as individuals belonging to this body. Lord, help us to lead people to you, to go and make disciples, as your great commission tells us to do. Open our minds and our hearts to the opportunities that you have laid in front of us to go and accomplish this very mission. Lord, we thank you so much again, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We're going to now have a time to respond. Uh, and maybe you need to pray. And if so, we've got our altar available to you. We invite you to come and pray down here at the altar. Maybe for you, you need to ask some questions about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus actually looks like. What that life-changing hope in your life could be. And if you have questions about that, uh, my name's Pastor Chad and Pastor Josh is down here at the front. We're available to you and we would love to have you come and have that conversation with us. Uh, you can also grab us after the service anytime you want to. Uh, but we want to have those conversations. But whatever it is, I pray that you would ask God what your mission, what your purpose is on this earth. Let's stand and respond.